Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a teacher and autistic and have to teach a classroom full of kids? Well, my next guest, Christopher Wheat, is a special education teacher who's also autistic. So we're going to talk to him and find out what it's like and what he had to go through with everything else. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today I'm joined with Christopher Wheat. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, currently I'm 53 years old. Uh, I am married. Uh, I've been married for about 33 years. I have four children, uh, wonderful kids, and I have two grandkids who I love dearly. Uh I've been an educator since 1995, uh, started out teaching drama, and then moved over to social studies, and currently I'm teaching special education, and I'm even teaching summer school special education. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been around just trying to, you know, keep myself afloat, taking care of my wife. Um, I love my family they're they're my top priority uh i i try to help advocate for all of us with the this condition and and really honestly the only reason why i even knew i had it was because of my twins and my twins when they were born one was high functioning and one was low functioning mm. and so um we found but so here's the miracle um, we there was a program that was being run by uh, Children's Mercy Hospital, and so they wanted to try a medication for our for one of my twins, the the, the one with the lower functioning, and it was called Namenda. Namenda is generally a, a medication for Alzheimer's patients, mm -hmm. but they wanted to try to see if maybe this medication might help. Uh, work with the brain of a child that's growing and be able to fix the synaptics as they get older. And so they, they did. And, and lo and behold, uh, for my, for my child, she went from being low functioning to high functioning. Wow. Because the medication worked as she was getting older, her brain started really coming together and she uh, became a high functioning. Now, She's still a little lower than my other twin daughter. Uh, so she'd almost be a level two. Right. But they both have their master's degree. They are both, one is working in Washington state. One is here currently still trying to find a, trying to get into a business that's very difficult to get into. And that's uh, toy engineering uh, construction it's it's tough it's a tough business to get into but she's trying and she's very creative but um so so we we found out that this condition really is genetic it's not something you catch it's not a shot that's given and suddenly you now are autistic it doesn't happen like that you're either born with it or you're not 
And so, and so that got us to thinking, well, what about myself then? Because I've never been tested. And so I went in and lo and behold, at the age of 35, I finally found out that I was. And so that answered a lot of questions about my life from when I was, you know, being growing up in the 70s and the 80s and never knowing what was wrong with me. What's why am I being treated this way? What's going on? And so it was it was really aggravating and and it just felt like a, a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders when uh when I found out. All right. When were you diagnosed? Well, like I said, I was 35. Um uh, let's see here. That was back in oh man. That ain't gonna make me do math. Um <laughs> Uh, so 1990, oh no, why do you do this to me? <laughs> okay. So this is 2000, okay. This is 2023. Uh, okay. Okay. So 1969. Okay, two thousand four. All right. So I'm you, I'm sorry. I had to I had to cheat. No, no problem. Uh, so two thousand four was when I found out um, that I did have this. What was it like when you were diagnosed? Was it like a light bulb going off above your head? It was yes. And so then what preceded that was then okay. We now know he has it. Uh, what can we do to help him? be better in society you know and so that meant medication and so uh i i had i ran my course of all the different medications that might work and i went through several of them uh well, well people what people don't realize there's no real true medication for autism no there's not the, actually the medication i take actually really doesn't really treat the autism it mostly treats the depression part yeah. uh, for myself. And so, and so, but I had to find the right one that was going to work for me and still allow me to be a functioning human being afterwards. Yeah. What's funny is I, in my fifties, when I, when I was 50, I'm 52 now, oh. I did a clinical study clinical research for a autism drug for communications. And I mean, I went through this is that's when I actually got officially tested. I did the whole sit down four hours. They split my mother and I up, asked her questions, asked me questions, ran me through the whole plethora of putting a story together with things and shapes and all that. And then the medication itself was my parents say it was my mother said and my brother even said it was like night and day with me mm. i was more proactive in life i was alert and i also felt it kind of built almost a filter in my head to stop me from saying things that i wasn't going to say but yeah there is no real medicine for autism there 
there will never be like there is for ADHD. Yeah. And even that for the ADHD, I'm sure you would agree, even has its limits too. Yeah. So, um, right. Cause I have, I have OCD, uh, depression. Um, so that's my main two big ones, uh, mm -hmm. that I have to deal with. Um, uh, the depression's harder. Uh, it's more difficult to deal with. And especially during the time, like we, um, during the book, when I wrote the book, uh, I was in a very low, low place. I was very depressed. And so, mm -hmm. and so it was, um, it was almost therapeutic in a way to write about what was going on in my life at that particular time to help me through this. And to this day, my wife, and my dad will still not read the book. <laughs> they wow. Don't. They will not read it. And the reason why they won't read it is because they already know, they were there. They know what yeah. happened. They don't yeah. want to, they don't want to go through it again. I understand that truly. And I, and I, and I said, that, that's fine. I said, I get it. I mean, I do understand. You, we talked earlier about you being bullied in school. How did you deal with that? <sighs> that was difficult. Um, Actually, most of the bullying I had gotten was mostly in the elementary and middle schools. Uh, and you don't know why, um, just because you're an easy target, you're weird, mm -hmm. you're different. So I'm going to just, I'm going to make fun of you and everything else. Um, and so when I got into high school, I wasn't bullied as much because I was able to kind of stay away from the people that I knew that mm -hmm. might be a big issue. Uh, I, I loved art. I loved drama. And thankfully, all my drama people that I hung, I hung with, it wasn't that big of a deal because you can be whatever you want to be. And people still loved you for it because you were mm -hmm. so dramatic and yeah. You know, and so it didn't really matter to them. They, they, they liked, they, they liked it. I mean, it, it's so funny in the arts field, you are, you are so much more, res um, you fit in better because we are so awkward, Diverse. right? We're so awkward that it doesn't matter because in the arts it's creative. And just because you're really off the wall, it didn't matter. Right. You say you had two twin daughters that were diagnosed. Yes. When were they diagnosed? Uh, very early. Um, actually, when they were first born, uh, they were just like any two normal kids, uh, two babies. And so, and so when they got and became toddlers, uh, our, one of them suddenly went from being very talking and all that to nothing. I mean, nothing. Just didn't speak, didn't talk, didn't do anything. And of course, that worried, you know, my wife a lot. She was more, way more previous than I was because, you know, like I said, she's mom. She doesn't have what I have. Um, and so she knew that there was something very wrong. And so that's when we uh, had her checked and then we had her sister checked and then, you know, come to find out that, and they, and the, and they initially told us, and this is what really broke my wife's heart. 
they initially told us that for um, for her, that you will have to take care of her for the rest of your life. Because, you know, because of the low functioning that we would have to be responsible for her for the rest of our lives. And so that's that hurt a lot because um, not because we had to, because that we want her to live her own life, but we couldn't do it. Uh, but until the miracle happened and medication that that she got and that whole that whole thing changed so and i try and i try my best to tell others about what happened to me and my child and i say to them i say look talk to your doctor first consult with them talk to them about this ask them about the, the medication which is called namenda and see if that is it, you know, if it can be done, but I said, just don't do it on your own, have a licensed professional working very closely with your child. Uh, because, you know, we, I mean, they grow, their brains still are developing all the way up into their teens. And so, mm -hmm. and so I, I try my best to help anybody that feels dejected that their child is very low functioning. Oh my gosh, we can't do anything. That's not true. All right. Now let's talk a little bit more about you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any special interests? Uh, a few. Uh, I love, of course, a lot like you. I love to write. Um, um, and it's so funny. Uh, it's actually kind of ironic. I was the artist back then i was the artist i loved to draw i loved to work with clay i you know i did all the, that those kind of things and my wife was the writer she loved to do writing and did all kinds of writing things and as we got kind of older we kind of switched she now is the artist and i know you all all can't see it but literally behind me behind here is a whole table full of art stuff I'm actually in her art room right now. And, and so she is a big artist and she's very good at what she does. It just impresses me what she can do with all kinds of different things from candle making to working with uh, uh, plat oh, the, oh, shoot, I always forget the name of it. Uh, it's that hardening clear uh, stuff that they make, uh, you know, like, um, like you know coasters and things like that mm -hmm. but anyway and, and those cups those those special uh, cups that you get the designer cups the um well anyway so i got into the writing part and i really enjoy the writing and so when we were during the pandemic i started learning how to not only write but how to publish writings on my own because uh I wasn't sure if I was going to ever get published. And so I tried and the manuscripts, I kept sending them out, sending them out. I kept getting rejections, rejections, rejections. Um, and so finally I got to the point, well, I'll just do it myself. And so I did. And I was glad I did it. Uh, and I would encourage anybody, if you are a writer or if you're an artist or whatever, don't stop do it anyway. Don't be, don't feel dejected. Just keep working at it. Um, if you need a little help, there is a site called Fiverr. It's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. 
And what Fiverr is, is that there's a bunch of professionals that are on there that will do lots of different things like covers, uh, editing, ghostwriting, you know, all these kind of different things. And, and you, you want to shop around, find the best person, price and all that, and they can help you out. And that's what I did. I, I went through Fiverr. Uh, for these kind of things, because there are these things called vanity presses where you have to spend like over a thousand dollars and then they'll do everything for you. But, you know, most of us can't afford that. And so don't don't do it. Please, just don't do it. I, I still get phone calls from vanity presses and that they've got these like, well, we'll edit your book and we'll do this for your book and we'll do this. And then you have to spend $1,500. And it's like, how am I supposed to, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's my two week wage as a teacher. So no. So stay away from those. You can do it on your own. Um, there are wonderful sites on YouTube that you can watch that can help you out. All right. How does the school you teach at handle your autism? Uh, basically they handle it just fine. Uh, they don't, they know, I mean, they know, but they don't really think about it much because I, there's no, I, I haven't done, I never did anything that would warrant a, a problem, an issue. And as a matter of fact, when I first started, um, my caseload was, I had a quite a list of kids. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I attended a lot of meetings about um, where if they had, if they had done something wrong, a man, oh, it's, it's called manifestation. And so if a child does something wrong, you have to, by law, you have to meet for a man of, um, a manifestation to see if the the action that they did matches with their disability mm -hmm. and if it doesn't if it didn't manifest that way then then it moves on to a hearing and then you know they get you know they get the punishment mm -hmm. but if it does manifest if it is a part of their disability then then they're free and that has happened, but not very often. Right. What are some of the challenges you face with your autism? Being careful what I say. Uh, and that was a hard lesson I had to learn early <laughs> with kids. And, and so when I was younger, it was tougher to be able to speak to the children and know how to say the right things without saying the bad things, um, the inappropriate things, uh, things that don't, you know, are not, are not good. And so I, I had to learn over the years and I mean years that I had to really be careful about what I was saying. Is it appropriate before I even said it? And so I usually was very slow to speak on something until I worked through it a little bit to make sure that this wasn't going to be something that 
was bad. So um, that's what made it difficult. And to anybody out there, you know, like I said, it, it's not easy. It is not an easy thing. And I know that um, Reed, my the, the this wonderful gentleman here that I'm speaking with right now, he understands all mm -hmm. too well about the eye contact, what you say, how you are, it is so difficult and you have to be aware of it all the time, especially, well, as, when you're around people, <laughs> you have to be aware of it yeah. all the time. Now, do you have any sensory issues? Uh, great question. Um, there's not too many things that, like clothing wise, that bother me much. Uh, I know there are some that there are some things that people wear that they can't wear because it just doesn't feel right. And even my daughters are like that. There are just some clothes, there's some clothing that they just can't wear that doesn't feel good to them. Uh, I, I mean, for me, I would say I'm a little more picky with my shoes. And the only reason why I say shoes is because uh, my feet are like, I'm on, I wear an 11, 11 and a half. Uh, so I've kind of got bigger feet. And, and so, and, and with my knees and everything, I hope your knees are okay. Um, I tore my meniscus. <laughs> I tore mine too. Oh no. Yep. Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't know, we didn't know how it happened. I wasn't athletic or anything. Right. One day I realized I couldn't bend my knee all the way. And my mom's like, just my mother's typical response is just ice it, ice it, ice it. I iced it and nothing helped. She's like, okay, let's talk to your, our orthopedic doctor who did her knee. And he's like, okay, before I can do anything, let's send you to rehab for six months and see if that solves it. Six months of rehab. Nope, still have pain. He's like, okay, now let's do an MRI, uh, an MRI of your knee. Did an MRI come back? And he's like, you have a tear in your meniscus. I'm going to have to scope your knee. Yep. So I'm like, oh, God. So he's like <laughs> one of the he's one of the best orthopedic doctors in Illinois. My mom trusts him with her life. He's actually did her full knee replacement. Wow. My brother, he had torn his meniscus. He worked on him as well. And had my knee scoped went for another six months had my knee fixed went for a whole other six months and i'm pretty i'm pretty good but we don't know how the hell i tore my meniscus yeah i was the same way i had no clue i mean they asked me what'd you do what'd you do and i'm like i don't know now i was athletic i did play soccer baseball you know i was i was very active but still though i don't know what i did and so when i had my scope done um, the actually the thing that really hurt the worst for me was my kneecap was mm. underneath it. And, and because he said there was a lot of like uh, bone spurs, things like that underneath Ooh. it. So, yeah. So, and, and of course I did the really dumb thing. I fell down like three separate times <laughs> and because, you know, your knee can't bend at all. And, and and when it does, 
you feel like somebody took like about a hundred knives and just stabbed you all up and down yes. your knee and up in your leg and <laughs> down you go. And so it was, it was horrible. Uh, I, I hope it was better for you than it was for me. Well, the first time before he scoped it, he drained it. Oh, oh my God. That, let, that he took like a whole thing of fluid out of my knee. Wow. That saved it and then gave me cortisone. That helped, but then helped 100%. Anyways, what advice would you give to those who are dealing with bullying? Bullying. Oh. And you know, really, this could go for literally anybody. Because as a teacher, as, as long as I've taught, Bullying is one of the things we as teachers, we try our very best to uh, catch before mm -hmm. it becomes a real problem. And it's hard because kids are very sneaky. They'll, they'll go to places and then they'll, you know, do their bit, you know, they're bullying there. And you, as a, as a teacher, I try to intercept those things and tell them, you know, hey, knock it off. Uh, I think what I think what the best thing to do is understand why, and it's not because of you. You are not the reason why. It's the bully is the reason they're having the problem. And there's something going on in their life that they feel like that bullying helps satisfy something inside of them, which is a false sense of security or false sense of, of satisfaction. It's not. And so, but they do it anyway, because it's a learned thing. They've learned how to do that from somebody else. And so they probably were once bullied. And then now they want to turn around and bully too, because they were bullied. And so, and, and so try to understand that the, the bullying part, um, it's not you. And we always and because we always think it's us and and we have to understand it's not us mm -hmm. it, it isn't us and, and and until you get that inside of you and we as adults um we we still you know have to deal with that uh there are people out there that incredibly immature and both of us in our 50s the both of us you know, we still deal with these kind of things, but for us, at least for me anyway, I'm hoping for you too, that the bullying, again, they've got some real problems and all you can, all I do is like, look, I'm, you have to be secure with yourself. You have to say, accept, you know, say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't care if I have a big nose. So what if I have big ears? So what, you know, it's, it doesn't matter what you say doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't. And so I'm going to just say, I'm sorry, whatever you're going through, I hope you get through it because for me, I'm fine. And you're not going to pull me down to the level that you're at right now because you can't deal with it. And so and so really it's a matter of perspective. And, and so that's what I would say to anybody that's being bullied is that stand your ground, 
know that you it's not you and know that there's nothing wrong with you and it's them that they that they have to deal with and whatever's going on whether it's at home you know you don't know where it's coming from but but just understand that there are people out there that do like you and they don't want to bully you they want to be your friend and so try to find those kind of people and try to just stay away from the ones that just just are being a pain in the butt right what would you say your biggest achievement is well um my biggest achievement honestly has been being married holding on to my marriage having four wonderful children who are now adults um having two grandkids that love you unconditionally uh, I know that not everybody gets that experience and uh, and I and and for those that haven't I hope at some point you they do I hope that if you really want you know I really hope that you're able to find a relationship uh, if um, you know at some point because it's never too late no. and so I would say that's my biggest because family means everything to me. Um, it does. I love coming home. I do. Uh, I know there. If if you are in a relationship, but you don't want to come home to the person that's there, there's something very wrong, and you don't want that. That's not what you want because that's very unhealthy. But the relationship I have, I go. I come home. And I'm very happy to come home because the relationship I have with my wife is a very healthy one. Uh, other than that, on the side, uh, I did get my second master's degree in administration now. So I'm working to try to become an administrator. Uh, I'm even looking maybe towards a, a doctorate possibly, but I want to get myself set first before I make that jump. And um, just there's, I mean, I would say those are probably the biggest other than the fact that I wrote a book. I mean, right. that was the one thing I always wanted to do was write a book and get it published. And I finally right. did. That's a good segue. So why don't you tell me about your book? Okay. So the book um, is titled Weirdo 2.0. And the reason why it's 2.0 is because when I initially wrote the book, I didn't have a lot of extra things I wanted in it. And so instead of just um, pulling it off, putting it in, then redistributing it, I decided to have a, just call 2.0 as a saying that, okay, there's more to it. There's much more to it than the original. So that way people understood that, that there was way more, there, there was more material and it takes place. It's a very shortened point in my life. And basically, the book revolves around dealing with the workplace and managers and bosses that want to harass you, who want to get rid of you, who want to fire you, only solely because of your disability. And that is what exactly happened to me. And not only do I encompass that 
with what what I had to go through. And I'll be honest with you, it was a living hell. It was a living hell. But I was determined to stand my ground uh, because we we tend to want to shy away from conflict. That's our nature. I do. I do. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, my wife, we, we always call ourselves the hawk and dove. My wife is the hawk and I'm the dove. <laughs> uh, she will go after anybody. But I usually don't. But in this case, I was the one that was standing my ground. And I was I was tired of it. Uh, and so I did this for me and I did this for anybody else that is going through the same thing. And I'll be honest with you, I've had people talk to me about that. So the book basically deals with this. There's additional stories about other people that have run into the same kind of things. So that way I can illustrate the fact that this happens to a lot of us. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, it even happened to my son-in-law who is married to my daughter, my, one of my twin daughters. He had the same thing happen to him. So it's a very real thing. It's a very real headache. And, and it's, it's aggravating. Every person, every single person that has what we have, I've spoken to, tells me the exact same thing. And mm -hmm. always ask, what do I do? What do I do? Yes. And so um, I give them the best advice I possibly can when it comes to that. People, I want you to take a note. Um, you're not alone out there. There are many, many of us who have gone through the same situation. So remember that. And the book... And the book you can find it's it is on Amazon. It's in ebook form, paperback, and hardback. Uh, it, yes, I do self publish, but I want to reassure everybody out there that I've had reviewers review the book. And I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking four, five, six different reviewers that don't know me at all, but they have given them high marks every time. I've seen nothing but high positive remarks on the book itself because i really touch a nerve in, in everybody that reads it and understands it even though they don't have what we have they really sympathize with us and that's and that's at least a start if we can at least get them to understand and sympathize and and say hey you know this isn't right you know, we're never going to ever be able to, I mean, I call it kind of the silent discrimination because when they look at us, I mean, we just look like anybody else. Yeah. I mean, other than maybe some of the other discriminations of like a different race or a different gender, you know, we have, I mean, what we have is what's called the the invisible disability. Yep. And, and because if we don't open our mouths or do anything and we just stand there like, oh, well, you look like anybody else, you don't look autistic. Well, mm -hmm. how else are we supposed to look, you know? And finally, what have you learned from your experiences? I have learned that you can live a life uh, and you can live it to the fullest it's just going to take a little bit of imagination and how you can go about it. 
you really need to understand that you can live this life because you only you only get it once you only get one of these and that's it you don't get any more and so you want to make the most of it don't let your dreams die on you because like i said i always had wanted to be a writer heck i wanted to be a comic book writer at first and i was nearly there uh until the great recession and then everything went on me but so but i didn't give up and so my encouragement to everyone out there is please don't give up on on the things that you want to do the dreams that you have just because you have this disability does not mean you can't do things okay you can do it that would be my biggest thing and lastly where can people read more about you well okay so um, right now, I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. Uh, I'm trying to work on a, a website. I've got uh, some people that have volunteered to help me build this website for the material, the things I've written so far, which haven't been much. I'll be honest with you. Uh, because I'm a teacher, it's hard to be able to sit down and get a book out. Uh it was easier when uh, the pandemic, because we all had to stay at home. And so I was able to, you know, really get stuff put together in a hurry. And, you know, and I went, like I said, I used Fiverr to help, help me out with everything. But uh, the book itself, again, like I said, it is on Amazon and actually it's on a lot of different platforms. Um, Apple books, Gobo, um, uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, so there are several different, um, you know, locations online that you can find it. But, but if you like a hardback or whatever, it's only going to be Amazon. So that's the only one. And when you search for it, you'll need, <laughs> you'll need to type out weirdo 2.0 and probably even maybe even have my name. Because if you just do a search on it, you'll see lots of weirdo things <laughs> on it. And, and so it, you might have a hard time, but the cover is one that you couldn't miss it. And I don't have the book on me. That was really dumb. Um, it's white. It's got a, it's got a silhouette of a, of a, of a person with puzzles inside the silhouette and a uh, butterfly on top, sitting on top. And it's a really, like I said, it's a very catching cover. You couldn't miss it. Um, but I would definitely encourage anyone that is having problems that would like to know more. I even was able, I was very fortunate enough to borrow uh, some material from Dr. Temple Grandin. Thank you again, everybody at Future Horizons for that. Uh, but yes, I would definitely say it's worth a good read. It's like I said, it's not just anything. I've had lots of people say it's a terrific piece of literature and I would encourage anybody to try it. And for you, I encourage you to continue with your book. I think it would be wonderful to read what you have to say too. All right, and everyone, that was Christopher Wheat and I'll see you in the next one. See you, Christopher. All right, thank you. And I'll see you around. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>
I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the Music, ride the wave, but keep the message. Question this dimension, there's still deception. Every entrance have good intentions, no exceptions, and leave the rest up to the heavens. Your only plan should be to seek and become yourself. Cause more than half, would you believe in was crafted to be misleading? For the benefit of someone else. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Applause. I don't walk right into traps While you closing in the walls I be hoozing out the cracks Sit and relax, don't breathe These are the facts Supposedly stutters Living a mask Suckers Keep moving along to the beat Brainwash, rinse and repeat Keep pulling about with the sheep I'll go, got and Eve Know what I mean? Probably not Honesty shocks, it's fineless The only box I'll ever fit in Is the one that I die I wanna believe in the truth But only see what I'm shown Got the freedom to choose But can't decide on my own Follow what the group is thinking Bottle up my intuition Till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition. Till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey.